Content in this podcast is not financial or investment advice. The way I try to frame this is I think about it in terms of the, you know, like the three different phases of how the internet has evolved and looking at that first phase that Google won, I think, which was, yeah. you know, how do you, um, how do you make web pages machine readable so that you can apply yeah. algorithm, apply algorithms to them, aggregate attention and then advertise, you know, and then the model for that when, you know, in the, when Google, when Google launched and later was you sat down at your computer, you went online and then you went offline. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was a, with that, they built this massive knowledge graph. Um, but then you go to the second phase kind of the web two phase and you get the dominant model there being not monitor mouse keyboard, but kind of mobile social cloud right. and face Facebook wins this, which is how do you make people and network pe- uh, social networks, machine readable so that you can apply algorithms to them. And then for better or worse, you know, advertise. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the line started to blur where it was like, okay, online and offline, you know, start to get kind of weird. And I think that where we're going now with web um, with the third phase is yes, web three, but I think it's more web 3D. I think mm. that's where I think it's missing the forest for the trees a little bit. I think the bigger move here is away from pages mm. and to 2D. Hi, I'm Mike Denunzio, the founder of Pebble Ventures, and welcome to another episode of Metaverse Matters. Today, I'm joined by Ryan David Mullins. He is the founder of social app called Aglet. And Aglet's really cool because it merges the intersection of the virtual and the real worlds. And it's also built for the sneaker community, which as you know, you know, is at the heart of culture. David talks quite a bit about his history and technology and how that influences thinking on the difference between Web3 and Web3D, how he's approaching building communities, collaborations, and his views on digital first or digital only brands. I'm joined by my colleagues, Lauren Fenema and Sean Aharam. It was a really interesting conversation. I think brands who are looking at the metaverse are gonna learn quite a bit. So let's get to it. Hello everybody, welcome to the next episode of Metaverse Matters. We're here with Ryan Mullins, who is the founder of a very cool app that intersects the virtual and real worlds called Aglet. And we're going to be talking all about that, as well as our typical conversation around the future of self-expression, experiences, and ownership, and how the metaverse is influencing that for brands. So, Ryan, thank you very much for joining us um, here with Lauren and Sean, as usual. And why don't you just dive in, maybe just tell us how Aglet got started, what Aglet is, give us some sense of, of the business. Sure. Well... Thank you for having me, first of all. Um, I think we're all would agree we're probably all really lucky to be alive at this particular moment um, <laughs> because um, there's just so many cool things happening right now. And I think for me, um, with Aglet and the name of the company actually being On Life, mm-hmm. um, I'll, just, I'll just kind of start it from there because I think that that, that word pretty much encapsulates it or you can derive from that word, everything that we're trying to do as a business. Mm. And so the central idea is just that like, I think there's a mental model that kind of dominates most people. And it's definitely the mental model that drove, um, you know, the past 
well, really since the inception of the internet, which is this distinction between online and offline. Um, and as I look at it and kind of see where I think things are going, I think that it's converging and that we don't live online or offline anymore. We live on life. Mm. We're just, we're just in it now. Um, in fact, I think a lot of the discussions of the metaverse, um, miss the forest for the trees a little bit because everyone's kind of focusing on this one instance of a meta of the metaverse, which is that we all hang out in virtual worlds. Um, and I think that's certainly part of it. But the gaming industry has kind of, you know, dominated the, the whole narrative on it and the discussions around it. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of, you know, I asked my six-year-old the other day, um, what is the internet? And he, he said, uh, Netflix. Right. Um, and so, you know, if you, if, I think if you ask most people, you know, what is the metaverse, you'll get a very similar answer, right? And they're not six, you know, they're kind of more sophisticated. Uh, well, my son's pretty sophisticated, but they're, they've been around a bit longer than a six-year-old, but they'll right. point to like Roblox. Right. right. Mm -hmm. Or, or, you know, something like this. And, and so um, the on life idea is just that, yes, there is, of course, online uh, worlds and all these different um, spaces that we're in. But there's also this other thing called uh, material reality. Um, how do you interconnect those two things? Mm. And that's what we're trying to do as a company. So when I say that, you know, we're really lucky to be alive, it's like for me personally, all my interests, gaming, you know, fashion, streetwear and sneakers, software, um, these things just all collided mm. into this moment right now. <laughs> and, you know, it's like a lot of people were super nerds and all these little subcultures, and now they all just came together. And it's like, oh man, like the amount of stuff that you can do at this particular moment is just so fascinating. Um, and so a lot, that that's kind of the context for where it came from. And then, um, you know, the Web3 space um, and NFTs are something that was very interesting to me in 2017 when I first started messing around with CryptoKitties. Mm -hmm. um, so I was, I just started at Adidas actually, um, and CryptoKitties came out and um, I was just like, everybody's making fun of me. Like, what's, what are you messing around with these dumb cats for? <laughs> um, this is so stupid. It's like, no, it's not about the cats. It's about ownership. It's right. about, it's about you know, my parents could invest in stocks and companies that were progressing things forward, these big centralized entities. If you grew up in internet culture, it's like, but you don't really get public markets. It's like, here's a chance to invest in the, the IP and the content that's being created by your favorite creators or your favorite, you know, startups. And you can kind of invest in these and own parts of these companies now or mm. parts of, you know, the, the actual IP that the creators are creating. And so um, it, it's just this mashup of all the things that I really love and that I'm passionate about. And then what we tried to do was figure out a way to distill it down into a very simple product um, using location-based technology, um, which goes to that on-life category. We mm -hmm. thought that Niantic and Pokemon Go really nailed it with, you know, like the first time I played it, I just thought to myself, this is the future of commerce. Mm. you know it's it, yeah it's a fun game and all that and like people are going nuts over collecting these but what if this is the future of commerce right mm -hmm. you know this interconnection of the digital and the physical um and so yeah once my wheel started spinning it was just like okay pokemon go and niantic and then thinking about commerce and thinking about um that on life category and then sneakers it was just <laughs> like all right i'm you know i'm gonna put them all together 
and try to create something fun. Okay. Um, and the fun part was because I just felt like, and I still feel this way, that our, a lot of our interactions with brands have become like so transactional, mm-hmm. almost like ex, almost like ex, just only transactional, merely mm-hmm. transactional. That the fun, and I, I mean, I like buying stuff, right? I mean, like I'm mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a I'm building this for myself. I want to have fun interacting with brands, mm. um, and so. It was just all these different things that kind of came together and it was just trying to, how do you, how do you break it down into a really simple product? Mm. And that was like, all right, you walk around in the world, we convert your steps into a digital currency with that digital currency. It gives you access to a lot of these digital products like digital sneakers that you're probably never going to be able to afford or even get in reality. Mm -hmm. That's it. How do you just get that fundamental loop down and make it fun? And the comedic side to it was that we released literally when a global pandemic kicked off. (laughs) Um, So it's kind of like, you know, and then it was like, well, maybe actually this is the best time Mm -hmm. uh, because it's the worst time. And that's kind of how it turned out. We we thought we'd get a couple thousand people, you know, it was a beta. It was like, Hey, here, will people do this? And it turned out, you know, in the first couple months 50,000 people wanted to do it um so you know right away we were like okay we're on to something and now Mm -hmm. that was that was two you know almost two years ago and now it's just kind of like how do we you know start building out and fleshing out the rest of the game metaverse nfts and everything just kind of explodes and so we find ourselves in this really interesting position at the moment with a like a large community of people playing our game and now we can make this transition uh kind of bring them along for the journey Mm-hmm. What a great overview. I love that of just like taking us through where the inspiration came from and where we're arriving today. I think one of the cool things too is just highlighting the moment around having fun with brands. And in our last like quick conversation, I remember talking about some of the shifts from, you know, us broadcasting kind of one-to-one and one-to-many, the potential of this new space to help us in- actually truly interact more. And is that one of the kind of turning points you see too is how do we create this, how do we converge in the online offline world and actually make it truly about community and interacting and being able to have that, that shift a little bit instead of me just broadcasting something to you on Instagram or on Facebook or whatever the method is. Do you see that being kind of a huge turning point too? Yeah, for sure. So the way I try to frame this is I think about it in terms of the, you know, like the three different phases of how the internet has evolved. And looking at that first phase, that Google one, I think, which was, yeah. you know, how do you, um, how do you make web pages machine readable, so that you can apply <laughs> yeah. algorithm, apply algorithms to them, aggregate attention, and then advertise, you know, and then the model for that, when you know, in the when Google when Google launched and later was you sat down at your computer, you went online, and then you went offline, mm-hmm. right. And that was a, with that, they built this massive knowledge graph. Um, but then you go to the second phase, kind of the web two phase, and you get the dominant model there being not monitor mouse keyboard, but kind of mobile social cloud. Right. And face, Facebook wins this, which is how do you make people and network, pe- uh, social networks machine readable so that you can apply algorithms to them and then for better or worse, <laughs> you know, advertise. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the line started to blur, where it was like, okay, online and offline you know, start to get kind of weird. And I think that where we're going now with web, um, with the third phase 
is yes, web three, but I think it's more web 3D. I think mm. that's where I think it's missing the forest for the trees a little bit. I think the bigger move here is away from pages mm. and two, 2D, you know, two dimensional feeds and web and pages mm -hmm. toward worlds and, and not pages, but places. It goes right. to a place. And that mm -hmm. place could be a digital layer on top of reality where you're moving around in, but it could also be a virtual world. You know, sure. mm -hmm. and so um, so why I'm bringing that up and for that context is because then I think brands are not about products. Brands are about spaces to play in, mm -hmm. right? And this is where kind of my thesis is: how do we update Mark Andreessen's paper from ten years ago? Software is eating the world. Where really it's gaming is eating the world, mm -hmm. and and the thesis there is not gaming is eating the world because we're all playing video games or console games. It's gaming is eating the world because now as a brand, as a company, as a creator, you have to figure out how to design interactive kind of immersive experiences and less kind of just, I'm reading some stuff. Right. doesn't mean that goes, that goes away. Of course, you know, I still subscribe to many, probably too many Substack newsletters and all yeah. this other stuff. <laughs> sure. But like, I just think it goes to a place where we move away from pages and feeds and more toward how do you design a world? And with that perspective, then you can then look at Roblox and be like, well, Roblox isn't a game platform or experience platform. It's more like a new browser mm. where, where now you're just, you know, Nike land, Vans world, right. Aglet world, whatever. These are just like, those are the new web places kind of. A thing. Right. Um, and so that's for me, then it's kind of like, well, how do you, the World Wide web didn't have much world in it. Right. You know, it was just <laughs> kind of like, how do you, how do you bring the world back to the wide web? And I think that's really the interesting. And then now as a brand, as a creator, I think it just becomes more about the participation in a space. And it's learning how to design experiences that are have much more, literally have more depth than some of the experiences that you've been able to, to create, right? And then I think there's these, we'll probably get into this, but it's like, you know, not that this is a love letter to Mark Andreessen, but I heard him <laughs> rec recently say, you know, the original sin of the internet was that it did not have a payments or a fin financial protocol um, that was foundational to it. And as a result, creators had to kind of outsource, uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. their earnings, mm -hmm. banner mm -hmm. ads, programmatic, you know, mm -hmm. you, uh, Substack newsletter subscription, Patreon. Um, but now mm -hmm. I think what's interesting about the Web3, Web3D, kind of mash convergence is that designing new experiences for your community, for your fan base, and then having the ability to tap into like an ownership economy where people mm -hmm. that are in your community can start, um, you know, investing in you and supporting you from the actual IP instead of me relying on merch and, you know, tour sales. Right. Um, right. And so I think, yeah. I think that's where we go with it. Right. It's just, it just seems to me that, um, that's why NFTs actually kicked off. It wasn't that the technology really advanced the last three or four years. It's mm -hmm. basically right. the same as when it came out. Um, I think it was more, you know, a lot of celebrities that were musicians or artists couldn't tour anymore and therefore couldn't sell merch at those, on, those, on tour. So how do you make up for those lost revenues? Right. Um, well, NFTs seem to work well because now we're all inside. I can just monetize my, 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 fan, my fan base, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, mm -hmm. did that answer your question? Totally. Yeah, no, totally. It did, yeah. yeah. I mean, I just keep thinking too, Sean, 
I mean, we, you talk so much about community and consumer mindset in some of these spaces and just the creative difference, you know, of what this world could look like. Do you have any, any thoughts or like questions on that? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you kind of nailed it. You're creating a world for a consumer to fall into and versus just a page. And I have a question. Um, I've never been a sneakerhead. I've been fascinated by the community for years, you know, ever since Air Jordans came out in the early nineties and whatnot. And just seeing how that community has been so embraced. Mid eighties, Sean, come on. Mid-80s, mid-80s? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that old. <laughs> that, that community, I mean, I've been in fashion for decades and the sneaker community has always been like the first community, especially men, like young men to embrace collaborations to embrace innovations and really build like an obsession around a product and like how Mm. are you seeing that evolve and like kind of capitalizing that in the metaverse in terms of you know you're not just creating web pages you're creating experiences and you have this community of really passionate consumers on a product like where do you think that can go yeah great question because sneakerhead a lot of people look at it like if if i took i think you, you might not fall into this category just because you, you you're in the fashion and stuff but like if i took i don't know just somebody who's not into any of this kind of stuff with yeah. you know collect collectibles or whatever and we walked mm-hmm. into like flight club in la or like stadium goods in new york in new york city like what would that person see when they look at the wall they would see like a bunch of shoes <laughs> you know and what mm-hmm. i see though when i look at the wall is i see sneakers Like I don't, you know, I see stories, Mm. I see memories, especially Jordan, you know, like, I mean, we made a joke, but like, it does go back to the mid eighties and it's connected with, you know, probably the most iconic athlete of all time. And all these moments, these incredible divine like moments that this athlete had on a basketball court, but not only that, the way the NBA connects to culture at large, whether it's music, you know, art, fashion. Right. And so I think that, um, already you start to see how cultural memory sure. not to get too philosophical about it but just the like the the cultural memory around these products already creates this kind of immersion within it so when i do look at the product and i see the you know the flu game jordan which we learned from the last dance was actually the food poisoning jordan <laughs> but i i see that sneaker and i'm like i immediately think sitting on my couch watching that game against the utah jazz when Jordan could hardly walk and Scotty, oh, yeah. you know, so I'm already in a space of some kind. Right. And this is again, where I think brands are about how do you own a space? Nike owns about owns the basketball court. You think of basketball court, you think Nike mm-hmm. and then marketing is like, okay, how wearing my, these products, will you perform, you know, amazingly in that space, but you want to own the space. Um, and so um, with sneakers and sneaker culture and even streetwear, I think, <laughs> It also goes to just the personality and the style of the people who are into it, which are they're hustlers. Yeah. You know, it's like you're that's why there's a secondary market, right? Is is um it's about personal expression, my style, which is also very competitive because it's about, hey, look at me. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to stand out. Um, you wanna, hey, I have like I have a pair of Yeezy foam runners on. These are really hard to get. So when I'm wearing them down the street, it's like there's a little bit of competition there, right? But then on the fi- financial side and the market side, it's also like, I'm, they only released X number of these. There's, and this is why brands are games, I think. Millions of people around the world are all competing at the same time to get very limited supply of this product. 
so that they can then flip it on StockX mm -hmm. and make, you know, sell it for 600 and that it would retail for 80. Mm -hmm. So there's this whole game theory to it, I think. And, and that's why not only because I'm a sneakerhead, but be, that's why we started with sneakers was that there is this fanatical community around it with really weird behaviors. Um, and that's why a lot of people look at it and treat it as sort of like a, an anthropological uh, case study is because mm. all these really interesting behaviors are going on. And now it's not a niche market anymore. You know, now oh. it's like you walk down the street, you know, my, my mom's wearing Jordans, you know, <laughs> like, and it's not just because of me. It's like, she's, you know, my mother-in-law is buying, you know, ultra boosts and can tell you the difference between the 19, uh, 2019 and the 2021, you know, so Amazing. it's, it's evolved into this bigger thing. And I think it has a lot to do, yes, with community, you know, yes, with um, uh, just like value exchanges between those communities. But I think it all mobilizes around something much more mysterious. It's like, why sneakers? Mm -hmm. And I think that gets harder to answer because it's the same thing around like, you know, beanie babies or, you know, now, <laughs> now you know, crypto punks or right. whatever. And it's just kind of like, what's going on? And I don't think there's one thing. It's kind of like the memification sort of of everything today the financialization of everything today. But sneakers in particular are interesting, I think, because there's already a massive community out there really excited. And I think they're bored. They're bored as hell right now because everything's a retro. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not that many new things out, right, coming out. And they just want more new, fun things to do. And that's what, where Aglet came in and was like, all right, how do we take the existing behaviors of this community, frustrated community, and try to make it more fun and more interesting using some of these newer tools that are coming out. So um, yeah, for us, it was like, there's a, we got this question a lot from investors was, okay, you're starting with sneakers, that's great. Is there any overlap between sneaker heads and like the crypto community or, mm -hmm. and it was like, no one really believed us. And then yeah. I think now, if you look at the hype beast community, it's like, they're the ones actually really driving. Yeah, uh, a lot of the growth in in mm. all these different areas. And it sounds like it was so set up for collectibles, just that mindset, like you were saying around scarcity and ownership. And it's funny how mm. it's like the, the first tangible version of that collect like collectible mindset, you know, and it right. seems like it was a natural progression. Yeah. Can you, can you talk a bit more too about how you're using Aglet too? I, I remember in our last conversation, you talked a little bit about trying to drive store traffic now that stuff's open. Can you kind of talk about how, even though this is new technology, it can still mingle and interact with kind of these really old school traditional methods like brick and mortar? Yeah, that's one of the more exciting things I think about what we're doing again, is that on life uh, convergence commerce, we call it, is you do have a lot of brands. It's not just like older, like big incumbent brands. It's also, you know, like a brand that I really like and that we luckily partnered with. They're called Axel Arigato. Um, mm. They're growing pretty quickly. And, you know, they're also opening stores, obviously. So mm. um, how do you get, you know, 16 to 24 year old kids to go into a retail store? Mm -hmm. um, it seems like there's, it's just, there's not enough, ideas really out there it seems like that here all this time like retail is not dead boring retail is dead <laughs> and it's like yeah that's great but it doesn't seem like anyone's figured out how to not be boring retail mm. um so with that with the layer idea of of the metaverse or this kind of virtual layer through gameplay 
um, what we were trying to do is, yeah, how do you connect the gameplay and sort of have one of the touch points with the consumer being a retail store? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for example, you know, we, we ran like a big step competition to try to get people up and moving. And then like the top, you know, the top players that achieved a certain status uh, in that competition were able to go into any of the Axel Arigato stores and then, you know, get physical product. Wow. because because they won you know right. won the challenge or completed certain challenges mm-hmm. um that doesn't have to be you know that like the brand has to give away like you know a 600 product or yeah. something they were giving away like socks and t-shirts and whatever sure. and mm-hmm. it was driving you know hundreds of people into their into their retail stores so super um, cool and that was a smaller experiment too so if we did it with like a, a much bigger brand and depending on what the incentives are to go into the stores mm-hmm. then you know i think it's a great way to again connect um, on online and offline and drive traffic and hopefully make retail not boring. Right. Um, and, and then the brand can also figure out various ways to, um, you know, maybe do their stores a little bit differently based on how things are evolving in, in, in the digital spaces. Right. I get so excited about that, about how you can recreate this actual physical space to be so much more dynamic and interesting based on this, you know, changing digital layer and how people can interact and not even just gamify, just connect and learn so many more of the stories. Cause to your point, sneakers is, is so much about, about the culture and the stories, but that should be true for so many brands is about the storytelling and how do yeah. you unlock that, you know, with product that's sitting on shelves that hasn't ever really been reimagined in the last several decades, you know? So yeah, exactly. Cause I'm also thinking, I just, I just finished reading this huge biography of Andy Warhol. Yeah. Um, and I learned something new about him that he, his first kind of, I don't know if it was his first gig, but one of his first gigs was as a window dresser. No way. <laughs> um, Makes sense. Then, it's creative. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if you think back to like, you know, early that time, you know, industrial revolution, lots of stuff being created, almost too much stuff now. Oh crap. How do we get people to buy this stuff? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then advertising industry kind of really comes into its own in marketing and then Warhol, and packaging. Yeah, package, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue, New York, and then Warhol's like, okay, how do you make how do you make this stuff desirable? Mm. And just the way that he was designing his window dress, uh, the windows for all these mm-hmm. for, for these brands and integrating his art and telling the story in this kind of picture. Um, and then kind of how pop art evolved and then Virgil. And then now with NFTs, I'm also thinking like mm-hmm. that's just kind of the new pop art mm. and how I'm thinking about social is and what kind of some of the stuff we're working on this year is thinking of like a wallet, like your crypto wallet mm-hmm. that, that, and going back to your point, um, Lauren about collectibles, that your, your wallet is this place where you have all your assets in it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're collecting all your assets, but there's nothing more asocial than a wallet mm. I know <laughs> right and so how do you how do you move your wallet to be more of like a gallery mm. or a, win- mm. a window where now it goes back to all the themes we've been talking about where yeah. now not to make it like QVC or something yeah um, or, or maybe so maybe we need to reinvent QVC but now I have my space pun intended mm-hmm. right you have you have I have my space and here are all my assets that I've collected my kind of my mm-hmm. wallet but now I'm hosting a gallery, 2,000 people on a live stream, and now you can make bids on my stuff. This could be right. a new drop that I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. right. And so I, I do think that, you know, how do you take lessons from retail 
mm -hmm. uh, and do it in, in the virtual uh, uh, space. Mm -hmm. But then also the lessons we learned there, how do you make changes to what a retail space can be? Mm. And then at the interconnection of those things. Yeah. Mm. So I think that's why with the gaming is eating the world idea, it's just that I think what's happening in a lot of these discussions where people are like, are we going to have one metaverse or many metaverses? And I think it's that what brands are kind of figuring out is we have, we have an ecosystem. We have right. all these nodes, all these touch points. Yeah. And if you look at your ecosystem as a game and you look at a, um, the, the, the story world kind of a thing, and then you look at your consumers as the players, how are they moving around in all these different touch points? Um, and how do you make, uh, introduce incentives and mechan game mechanisms into that ecosystem? And that's where I think, okay, now it changes my idea of what a retail store can be, mm -hmm. because now I know it's just one touch point in a much bigger game that's, that is here, right? And mm -hmm. so, yeah, to your point, I think there's, I think we're heading towards something really interesting where brands can start saying like, yeah, what is a store actually? Like what's right. the, what does a store do? Um, and how can we make it more interesting? And like the physical texture or experience of that product. Like, I think that's the key. Mm. I, I could talk about physical retail for a long time, so I won't hijack the conversation with that, but it's yeah. su super interesting to think about how to get that back in the mix with all of this digital virtual, yeah. you know, momentum, but. Um, yeah, Sean, did I answer your question? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Okay. 100%. I'm curious. Well, I'm sure you, I didn't just. No, no. <laughs> no, no. Good stuff. I'm just curious as you're thinking about this broader concept that you talked about spaces. Do you see Aglet as moving beyond mobile into other worlds, other places, browser, et cetera? Because what you're talking about seems to me to be a much broader vision of what Aglet is today and what it could be. Yeah, yeah, good pickup for sure. Um, so how, you know, how we're thinking of the company is, is that right now everybody kind of knows us as Aglet, this, you know, this mobile, mobile game. Right. Um, but as you said, like the ambition obviously is, you know, is, is much, much bigger than that. And so we are building a platform ultimately. It's this kind of spatial behavioral platform. So you could think of it as kind of like Niantic's you know, real world platform. They're obviously much farther along given the kind of backing they have, but we're, we're trying to do something similar where there is this, this, this spatial platform um, that can be uh, leveraged, not just by us, but, you know, kind of anybody could come on and, and build an application leveraging this, this spatial behavioral engine that we're trying to build that can power all the kinds of experiences that we're talking about. Mm. So Aglet is kind of one of those. And Aglet kind of serves as that identity layer. If you think of like the, you know, your Epic games, your Epic ID, mm -hmm. it is kind of that repository or that gallery where all of your assets um, are stored and can be bought, sold and trade auctioned. Um, but it's also a space for you to hang out. It's just like, you know, we all went back to my room and, you know, when I was a kid and you'd see Star Wars sheets and sure. you know, J Jordan posters and some sneakers and PlayStation, whatever you'd get an idea of who I am. Um, and that's kind of what, how Aglet will evolve. But then the idea is there's another game that we're creating that's much bigger uh, than the current Aglet game. This will be a, a separate game that does something different. Okay. Um, and I'm not really short on ideas. So there's like, we could do, we could do any game basically. Mm -hmm. any kind of, it doesn't have to be a game, just any experience can right. be 
built on top of this because we have a map and we're just really confused. Why is it that it's just navigation and, and delivery that are the use cases of, on maps? Mm-hmm. It just seems odd to me that commerce has never been put on top of, of maps in a really interesting way. Mm-hmm. And so with a map and with that, you know, hopefully some intelligence behind the scenes of this engine that kind of powers it, it's a platform where people can build on top of it. Mm-hmm. But the interoperability of all these different things is where it gets interesting, right? Because sure. if I'm playing that new game and, I, and I'm getting assets and somebody over here creates a different game, the ability to pull them all, all the assets into that gallery space mm-hmm. where I can say, you know, hey, sh- you know, Sean, Michael, Lauren, and everybody else, like Saturday night, I've got my gallery space and I know all these assets are going to be going fast. We have one hour. I'm going to do my my spiel on all my assets and people are going to be buying them up from me. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So it's like identity layer at the, at the core, mm-hmm. which kind of reaches out and connects here. So it's sign in. And mm-hmm. then there from a, kind of a nerdy perspective, there's SDKs and APIs that if you are building on top of that, you can kind of pick which blockchain mm-hmm. you would like to be based mm-hmm. on. Cause that's one of the problems I think today that we've experienced was which mm-hmm. blockchain do we use that like going right. in and out of popularity One's popular because this company's using it. Another one's not popular anymore. Mm-hmm. How do you make that decision? But if we could handle that for you, um, mm-hmm. right? So anyway, so it's just a, the idea is, no, it's not, it will not just be a mobile game. Um, there will be, right. a, we're doing a land sale um, mm. in our game because we have a map, you can buy land. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to really play that type of game, you need a much bigger uh interface right so that's mm-hmm. where it kind of moves to desktop yeah um so there will be a number of different products that are kind of popping up you'll see kind of through this year and next year as we expand mm-hmm. out the vision the on life vision aglet's kind of the first manifestation of a, an example of kind of the weird stuff going on in my head yeah and so it's kind of like a roblox where many people can come and develop on it and use yeah as a platform yeah. to create and host and gather um and you can kind of switch between games and figure out what that's you right it's do. like a yeah. yeah it's like a it's like a real world robot. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, like yeah, how, yeah how do you exactly it's like they have their worlds fortnite has that island we have mm-hmm. just you know the world mm-hmm. uh, the material world and then yeah how do you get at how can this platform help you take your idea from peter parker to spider-man mm-hmm. uh using mm-hmm. using using all these spatial uh sdks so and tools yeah yeah cool 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 yeah well um we're kind of running out of time so i wanted to (laughs) already yeah i know know. that's the what's what's so nice about a good conversation but i thought it'd be helpful just to hear from you you know you've been working with a bunch of brands you're you know kind of really been into it the last couple of years what advice can you give to brands as you know Mm. they're starting to really take this seriously, really integrate it into their businesses and their plans. Anything that you can share that you've learned over the last couple of years, I I think a lot of the brands watching this would find really helpful. Well, I think that I always think about this question that was two questions that were asked, um, like mid to late nineties to, uh, VCs. And it was, it was, uh, is the first question was, is the internet overhyped? Mm-hmm. And it was like over 90% of them said yes. And then the second question was, uh, will it be bigger in five years? And over 90% of them said yes. 
Um, and I think we're in a similar place now where mm. I think we went through this phase where brands and it's still, you know, brands are still kind of flailing, trying to figure out like, what, what do we do? Like, just, just do, let's just do something. Um, but then it's really easy, I think, to get cynical. And mm. we've kind of noticed that where a lot of brands that were really hyped up about it, then we're kind of like, well, you know, is it, it just seems like it's all brand casinos now. And, and, and so they start to get cynical and maybe kind of back away. And you, you see Kanye even like came out on his Instagram was like, don't tell me to do, don't ask me to do NFTs anymore. I make real products. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the issue is that we have a real problem. <laughs> we have a real problem, which is what it, you know, what is real? You know, where right. kind of the, the, a Neo problem, matrix problem. And so with brands, I, as we've, we've talked to them, kind of guided them here is like, don't one, don't get cynical because NFTs as digital art was kind of the first entry for a lot of people into this, but that doesn't mean NFTs themselves or web three are on, you know, like a, a just a hype thing that aren't going to exist anymore after the wave. Just like the end, it wasn't internet overhyped, it was internet companies were overhyped. Right. And so um, I think experimentation is, is keep experimenting. Right. It's like, it's not going away. It's going to be here. It's going to be part of the inter infrastructure of, of the internet culture and internet world. So keep experimenting and almost think it's almost stop trying to copy everything that's going on. It's like, everybody's kind of just repeating themselves and it's, it's um, you just kind of get a lot of the same things that you see. Mm. And I think that it's important to really as, as, as organizations like Adidas who are now starting these kind of meta metaverse initiatives within their companies right. to really start trying to innovate within the space because you can take it kind of anywhere you want. Right. And so um, that's just conversations that we've been having and, I think the main thing that I'm hearing from the brands that are really interested in it is like, we're just going to keep experimenting. Like, yes, there were virtual worlds created in Roblox. That's great. Yes. There's board eight yacht clubs. That's great. But like, what else can we do? Right. And they're sticking with it and trying to do more and more and push the technology to its limits instead of just like, Hey, we did one little thing. Here's my quarterly earnings report. And I'm going to, you know, say that the metaverse initiatives helped us, drive our profits by whatever it's like that's that's awesome but like don't stop mm -hmm. yeah you know keep 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 moving keep it going um and i think that's what we're seeing i just think we need to see e probably even more of it um yeah. and i think there's also the the i mean this is obviously <laughs> beneficial for us and other smaller companies but like also don't try to do it all on your own mm -hmm. i think the idea of building your even though I think this is not what the metaverse is, but like people saying we're entering the metaverse, we're building our metaverse. It's like, well, that fundamentally is not the idea. The idea is to build this interconnected thing mm -hmm. that we're, that makes it possible to transact more with everybody. Sure. So I think the walled garden approach, brands can get susceptible to that um, and try to build their own thing, um, yeah. which kind of defeats the whole purpose of what this could be for all of us. Um, mm -hmm. So I think experimentation and continued experimentation is 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 important and keeping push the technology. And then I think kind of a more open innovation mindset as opposed to like, hey, we're going to do it all our own and build a walled garden.
Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. We also talk to a lot of clients and the world of the metaverse, if we want to call it, we think is going to be fundamentally transformative. But in many ways today, it's additive in the sense of yeah. you have these integrated programs. How are we then using metaverse and related technologies to add top spin to these programs? And that's yeah. where these experiments come in. It should be experiments. It should be on ramps. It should be continuous learning. And yeah. it seems that the, the leading brands are out there are definitely thinking about that way. And I think it's good advice for any brand is put these tests in place, make sure you're trying, make sure you know what you're trying to learn, learn from it, decide what to do with it after that, but then keep testing and keep yeah. testing. Also, I think on a variety of platforms and in a variety of ways, because we all have so much to learn about what's going to connect with the consumer ultimately for that particular mm -hmm. brand. And it may be these three platforms or approaches work really well, and these two don't. But the only way we're going to get there is if we keep putting these kind of small experiments in place and get that learning. So I think it's really yeah. good advice. And I don't know, Lauren, Sean, if you have anything you wanted to add as we close out here. I mean, there's so much more I would want to talk about, but I think we, we covered a lot today. So thanks for your time. Be on part two. We'll do part yeah, two. exactly. We'll do part two. Yeah. <laughs> thanks so much for your time. And uh, we'll, at the end of this, we'll put up a slide that everyone knows where they can go and download the app and um, we'll keep yep. in touch. Appreciate it. Right. Thank okay. you guys for the time. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Metaverse Matters by Pebble Ventures. If you enjoyed the content, please do subscribe and rate the show. You can also connect with us on LinkedIn at pebbleventures.com or directly at mike at pebbleventures.com. If you're a brand exploring the space or you're already testing and are looking to develop next level strategies, please do reach out. We'd welcome an introductory conversation to learn more about your goals, where you are in the process, and share our thoughts about your business. Have a great day.